Welcome to Simply Us. Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Erin. And we want to welcome you back to the Simply Us podcast. And Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's been so good to see you. We wanted to remind you guys that we are here back again. To help you ignite your relationship with God by simply being present with Him. So welcome back. We've missed connecting with you all so much. But we had an amazing summer and start of the school year for me. And Mm -hmm. um, But while we were on our podcasting break, we took months and months to pray and discern, God, what do we talk about next? What should we dive into Mm -hmm. it? And da-da-da-da. I stumbled across this book <laughs> called Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly. And I was, she's an author who's written many books, but this is one, uh, her only book on body and shame. I was immediately intrigued. I resonated with the title and was um, just wanted the freedom it promised. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I have had one of those relationships with that's been pretty terrible with my body Mm -hmm. and food. And I mean, it probably started early, probably preteen when I saw those first red stretch marks make their way across my thighs and I can't believe you had stretch marks that young. Well I didn't know well, and saw it and thought this isn't right. This should this mm. is embarrassing. And it went from there. I can recall pulling on my clothes, being so annoyed at Chub Rub, because if you know you know. <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. Oh it's the burning <laughs> of your thighs being put together. I stared in the mirror oh. and I don't know I don't know if many of you have done this, just wish parts of me could be changed or different or smaller or bigger or in, and you know, I've, yes, you felt it. Yes. I have probably <laughs> tried every diet under the um, sun food, you know, wasn't even enjoyable to me anymore. And for the majority mm. of my life, yes, I'm going to say I have felt deep shame about my body. And I can recall, I think around the same time I found those stretch marks, I probably started a diet. And I can, I just have this vivid memory of hiding my slim fast shakes from my friends, taking them to school. There was Atkins and Weight Watchers. And I remember asking you, can I do special K? Will you buy me that cereal? (laughs) Because if I eat that cereal, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, I mean, and it went from there and it followed me all the way into adulthood. None of them ever were good enough for me. (laughs) Where did you where did you put the um, slim flask cans? Oh, I would like put them in a thermos so no one would know that that's what I was drinking. I know. Well, and it's followed me into adulthood after leaving my family's home. I have spent so much money Mm. on weight loss programs. I've done Advocare Mm. where they give you these like fiber drinks that we just choked down. I've done Whole30. I've gone gluten and dairy free. Um, I've Mm -hmm. even signed on to food addiction meetings to see, do I have a problem with food and the addiction? And I mean, I'm telling you, I, I think as I've opened this book and had time to think back over my life, my life has been surrounded by people and mostly women who are trying to lose weight. 
not, I mean, the diets yeah. came pouring in, but also a ton of memories of my friend's moms trying to lose weight. And I, I chuckle now. I had this one friend who her mom was like, every time I'm hungry, I just crack open a can of Diet Coke and drink that. <laughs> that cracks me right up. <laughs> and another friend's mom, she was a petite woman, mm-hmm. very tiny. And she said, I just eat one time a day. And I oh, remember no. thinking... That sounds miserable. Like, am I going to just have to (laughs) suffer to be thin my whole life? And is this what my life will look like in order to be the ideal size I had in my head? And Mm. it makes me laugh now. But I think as I look back, I mean, it's sad. My entire social circles, whether they were adults, teachers, coaches, myself, my friends, yes. we were yes. all obsessed with our bodies being different or smaller. And I took on that mm-hmm. mentality and it's carried me around for what, 30, over 30 years, 20 years. I'm not 40. 20. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> so many years. And when this book mm-hmm. fell into my lap, I was stuck in that cycle. I had just successfully lost 30 pounds doing a somewhat extreme diet and it was like a year and some being off the diet and I had gained all of it back plus some I was feeling defeated Mm. and I was feeling hopeless and like I could never achieve the goals I wanted and I grabbed Mm -hmm. this book it fell into my lap I ate it up in days and it helped shift my ate it up. That's funny. You <laughs> ate it up. Didn't plan that. You can't eat the food. You can't eat the food. You might as well eat the book. Well, it helped shift my perspective. I I finished the book and could relieve a deep sigh. I'm not a sigh, like a deep breath of like letting it all out. Take a deep breath. I yeah. feel like yeah. I found the key to attaining that promise that the title said. And so I knew... Yeah. This is what we should do on the podcast next. I even went on social media after I read it and was like, has anyone struggled with this? I will buy you this book. It's been so helpful. Did anyone respond? No, nobody did. (laughs) But that's okay. And... Um, it was the thought. And so obviously my mom is my friend and we do this podcast together. And I was like, mom, you have to read this Mm -hmm. book. Yeah, I know. My story, I just, the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, my story about body image goes way back to from what we learned about generational sin. Remember when we did that in our Mm -hmm. previous episodes, I have to admit that I played a part in your story. Like the whole time you were talking and I'm listening and I'm nodding my head because I feel like, um, you know, the things that I learned in my home, then of course are the things that you picked up in your home. Right. And so I feel like we're on this gerbil wheel. I just keep seeing this picture of a gerbil wheel of defeat because body image is just a huge thing. It's just been a huge thing for me. It was for me even in my growing up years. So it wasn't so much diet, though, for me and my family of origin. It was mostly um, the size that I was Mm -hmm. or the size that we were. So therefore, I worked hard to maintain my weight through food or lack of food, (laughs) and just a buttload of exercise. So most of those diets you tried, I have to admit, they started with... I know. So So. when my mom and I were on this 
talking and we did a Bible study together. And when we were starting it, I called her one day and I was like, mom, I think I have a soul tie with you in regards to this topic. And if we talked about soul ties, they are a stronghold, something that keeps you from having like a really deep relationship with God and those around you. Mm -hmm. And if you want to like read about that quickly, episode 16 It's all on our blog, or you could pick up the episode and listen to it. But this stronghold leads me, my connection with my mom and my feelings tied to her made me live less in that true identity of truly who God made me to be. It was like, I'm so connected to her. I can't be that. And it produces lots of negative emotions. And I think an excessive need to control or manipulate having insecurity. And as we went through the process, it became clear to me, like, I have a soul tie with my mom. I think in the area of body and food and what I should look like. And I think I was unknowingly and looking to you for my identity instead of really discovering the truth that came out what is God want for Aaron not just what does God want for Sue that then Aaron tries to emulate like what does God really want for me and I needed to drop this what soul tie so that I could pick up and discover the truth and right that's so yeah so I Mm -hmm. did feel like this was a great starting point and it was so good to drop that soul tie yeah, and of course, you know, I never meant for that to happen, yeah. right? And and when I'm what parent like, does. especially, <laughs> yeah, like, and it's like, oh, uh, I didn't know I did that. Yeah. But I'm so thankful for those negative emotions, right? Yeah. And I'm just thankful, um, just knowing that once you know that God gives us the negative emotions, and that we can dig in and say, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And then once He brings it to our attention, then we can acknowledge and cry out to Him and to, to Jesus and just surrender. And that's all we have to do, right, is make the great exchange. Tell him our truths, what we believe, and what we were taught in our homes. Like, we want to cut off that um, generational sin. We want to cut it off and say, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. With your help, I'm going to go forward. And he just lovingly helps us Mm -hmm. get off that gerbil wheel. (laughs) <laughs> so, so anyways, I want to talk like back to the book, yeah. right? When, when Aaron, when you were, um, when you gave me that call about that book and, um, I want to tell you guys, like she gave me that call about the book. <laughs> you can hear her energy and excitement and, um, wanting to, uh, wanting me to, to join her in it. Um, it, cause it was just so cool to see how it was affecting mm-hmm. you so deeply. So, um, of course I ordered the book, you guys, and I think of all the books that Aaron's had me read. And I mean, girl, you love to read and you love to learn. Right. So, but this one like spoke right to my soul. I think, I, I think it's because I, I guess I just never understood that my soul was connected to my body. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's there and all that, but somehow I just like separated them. You know, the verses that talk about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, like somewhere in there, I just never thought it should include my body too. And so I think this um, book, Breaking Free from Body Shame, Mm -hmm. actually teaches us so much more than just breaking free from the shame. Yeah. For me, anyways, it taught me how to recognize, recognize the shame and how, where it's attached and how to surrender it. And from there, it shows us how to love ourselves exactly the way we um, we are, 
exact way we are, size, everything, right? Mm -hmm. So we can freely love him and worship him with our bodies. <laughs> so um, so now you guys know that I was kind of excited about the book too. And I so I thought about it and Aaron told me there was a workbook, right? Yeah. Told me you you told me there was a workbook. So I was like, yeah, let's get the workbook too and go through it. And then let's just, you know, because Aaron and I were people people, right? So we're like, let's not just do it with each other. Let's get more people to Yay. do it. So of course, yeah, Aaron, we call we contacted the sisters, Alyssa and Autumn. Alyssa said yes. Autumn right now is in the middle of giving having a baby and her life yeah. is crazy. So she said no, which is healthy fine. boundaries. And then <laughs> yes, healthy boundaries. And then we got Aunt Beth, my sister in law, to join yeah. us. And so the four of us went on this journey together. Um, and so I'm just so glad they're such good sports. They aren't were they? good. And we dug yeah. in that first week. We all read the first two chapters. We came ready. You read the mm -hmm. chapters and there's questions and time to think. And yeah. it's really good content. And during those, we all came to the conclusion during those first two chapters that we all had different but similar wrong beliefs about our bodies. And these beliefs yes. had sneakily infiltrated our minds almost like they're masquerading around as truth, but they weren't actually true. And so we remember right. back to, we've talked about this probably almost every episode, the first step in mm -hmm. healing or like moving away from unbelief or wrong belief is identifying what that wrong belief is so mom right gonna be the brave first yeah. person and say what were <laughs> the wrong beliefs and you guys you may resonate with some of ours but you might have your own set we all had different things right so and when i think go ahead yeah go ahead well i was just gonna say and i'm even like sitting here thinking about okay so we did the book together and i'm not even sure if i completely have all my wrong beliefs out in the right. open. So I'm just going to share with y'all what I have so far. And who knows, maybe on our journey, oh, God's going to bring I'm up some certain. other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my, um, so my wrong belief was totally, um, it was totally on me to keep myself at a certain size. So totally on me, independent on my own. In this battle against weight gain. So I think that's the first thing is this independence that comes where we separate from God and from others. So when it came to God for me and what I believed about him in this area, I had a distorted view of how um, he saw me based on just one experience my dad had with my two older sisters in my home growing up. So this is my perspective on what happened. But I watched my dad um, tell my sisters that he would give them money if they lost weight. So what began to stir deep in my heart and my mind was the belief that I had to lose weight to be a certain size, to be loved by my dad, to gain his approval. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think that was the motive. That was all the motion, motivation I needed. Um, just that one situation to stay tiny, mm -hmm. what I thought was right. tiny in my head. Right. But then that approval, it just didn't stop there. It led to others approvals you know, needing that for them to oh, notice to say, my you size. look good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, you're so tiny, right? Yeah. So, um, so it went to, it led to others approval and then um, what they thought, which really led to shame if I didn't do it right. right. Or if I didn't feel good about my size right. at that moment. So for some 40 years, I've worked hard um, at it. And I'm, I'm just being honest here. I was successful. Like I compared myself to everyone and I lived the lie of self-righteousness because I was able to keep it mm -hmm. off. Does that make sense too? Because I think until my diagnosis with MS, 
Um, and then all of a sudden I wasn't unable to exercise. I started to start, it started to mess with me in my head. Mm -hmm. And then I hit menopause. And for all you women out there who've hit menopause, you understand what happens. The weight just sticks around. It just doesn't want to go. It likes to gather in your midsection and stay there. And so, you know what? I just gave up. I felt extremely defeated. So at the time that I picked this book up, I had been hearing a voice in my head. And honestly, you guys, it was my voice telling me I was a failure. And the loud voice in my head kept saying, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're a loser. Especially, um, you know, since that I joined you, you and I joined this last previous diet program we were on and I had lost so much weight, felt so proud of myself. And then I regained most of that weight back too. So those were, that's kind of what was going on in my head yeah. at the beginning of this book. So what about you, Erin? What kind of wrong beliefs were you carrying around? I had so many, and I was so thankful to have the time and space to ask myself these questions and let this come up and out. I do think it's so easy to hide and disconnect with your spiritual life. And I think Mm -hmm. deep down, I believe that having a bigger body was punishment from God for my own lack Mm -hmm. of self-control around food, Mm -hmm. or even that people are like, don't, you know, don't live to eat, eat to live and like don't yeah. care too much about your own body. Cause that's not spiritual. Like, so yeah. I had felt like, Oh, I care about my body. Oh, I can't control myself all the time. God's punishing yeah. me with a bigger body. And it was telling the mm-hmm. world basically that I am spiritually immature and I didn't possess that fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. and self-control. And that's big fat lie. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. I carried it around for so long, believing it was true. And and I yeah. also had this, I am powerless. I think that this is what like diet culture has done to us. Like I'm powerless to fix my body. I can't do it on my own. I always need someone's help. Someone always knows better than I do about how to change Mm. my body. And um, I can't fix this relationship I have with food, whether it's comfort. And I can't break out of this cycle of caring so much and gaining and losing weight. And then lastly, I think I, I, because I had put my body into so many people's other hands to tell me how to lose weight or what program I should do or calories I should eat or fiber I should intake I couldn't trust myself to listen to my own body because every time I tried or did something it the weight came back on and I really became so fearful like I had a spirit of fear arounding knowing my body looking at it and obviously waking and it changing yeah so all this is going on in our minds and in our hearts and both of us like separate on our own individual gerbil wheels, just like going round and round and round, believing these lies in our head, never even considering to voice them out loud. Mm -hmm. Like until we picked up this book. Um, So when we spoke about our lies to one another and even Alyssa and Beth, when they joined us, I think that's when we decided we wanted all of you guys, our listeners, our friends to come along with us on this journey. You know, we want you to feel apart. Like you're actually in a small group with us. So If you are currently struggling with wrong beliefs about your body, or you know someone who could learn a new way to think about their body, we'd love for you guys to just grab each other, grab the book, grab a friend, and and join in. Yeah. Yeah. Read along. You don't have to keep up pace. You can come back to us when you're done. But right. and and you can get an audio book yeah, too, right? That's it's an audio book, Kindle. And I and I honestly believe too, you can come back and 
talk to us on Instagram, DM us, like we'd love to, or email us. Those work too, old-fashioned email. But we were, as we were going through this small group experience, one thing I loved that the author just did was had us read Bible stories that helped shift our perspectives. And I loved the first week she had us read read us a the story of the man that needed healing. It's in John 5, 1 through 9. And when I was reading this story, I felt like a light bulb went off in my head. And I'd love to share with you guys kind of a few things we all took away from that part of those verses. So I'm going to read them. It's a couple short verses. It's John 5, 1 through 9. And it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Yay! Amen and amen. <laughs> I know. The first thing. So tell us what I you, know. What did you okay. Think? So yeah, what did you think? I, I love when you when you share your nuggets. Of I truth. know. Well, so what did I you learn? just resonated with this hopelessness this person was experiencing yes. about like, yeah. I'm trying to get myself healed. I, I just. I have no one to help me. I can't get down into this pool. And mm-hmm. I... I just give up, yeah, right? Like, I give I, up. And mm-hmm. I felt... I mean, I think that's one of my own beliefs. I felt the same. Like, I can't heal myself. I've yeah. tried. I've tried to lose the weight. I've tried to be content. I've tried to... All these things. And it, body shame is still following me around. And I kind of yeah. felt like, I'm just going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. And I'm not able right. to see past it. And it yeah. seemed like even everyone around me had their body weight under control. And I was... Well, we thought, we, we pretended like we did. <laughs> but yeah. I felt like I'm the only one floundering and being unhappy with my body. So that hopelessness, mm-hmm. I was like, felt... Yeah. I mean, obviously, can I can to, relate yeah. to that feeling. Obviously, my body isn't in a, you know, I don't have physical things that are around with me that keep me from getting around. But that hopeless yeah. feeling of feeling alone and unable to help myself. Mm-hmm. And the second thing yeah. that resonated with me was when Jesus said, it's like this awesome mm-hmm. one-liner a question. Yeah. Do you want to get well? And as I oh, read that, yes. yes, Jesus, I felt him saying, it's an invitation for you too. Whereas yeah. I ready to fix my mindset and get rid mm-hmm. of all the wrong beliefs I had surround my surrounding my body. And it, it's with yeah. the, as simple as that. Like he was right. ready and waiting to release me. And I think I had this like little journal moment and I found myself being like, yes, I want to get well. <laughs> I've been doing yes. this for so long with so much effort and feel like I have minimal results. And I felt like that's all, that was the invitation. And it was a simple thing. Yes. And I know. And you know, I feel like when you say that too, it's like, I'm yes, for me too, I'm done with striving, right? Like mine was like striving on my own to do it. mm -hmm. And then like feeling defeated when I was just wore out, like I'd given up. So I do, I, I feel like 
I'm like, yes, Jesus, I want to get well too. Well, when we talked about it in the study, the four of us going around, I feel like we all resonated that. We all said, yes, I do want to get well, but we were all still (laughs) struggling with this idea that we wanted our bodies still to change. And in the beginning of those process, we left that first session. We were like, yes, but does this mean like I'm never going to... Like lose the baby weight. I know. Right. Well, not for me. <laughs> or, that menopause yes, or that like inner two. Yes. And these were thoughts at the forefront that are mine. And it's almost like we were tentatively submitting to the process. <laughs> yes. yes. So, tentatively is a good word but to that's use. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that was yeah. wrong. I think it would have been like insincere if we didn't say that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. another part of the story was that really struck me was this pool. It promised healing, which is amazing, but the healing was for just one person at a time if you could get to the pool quick enough by yourself, meaning that not everyone truly had access to it. It wasn't free. It cost you something. And if you didn't have it, you so sad. And when Jesus enters the story, he has compassion on the man and healing is promised. And his healing completely disregards the pool. It wasn't like he was like, well, let me help you in the pool. He freely gives it to the man with all he has to do is accept it and Mm -hmm. choose to put his trust. Like he could have said, well, I'm sorry. I'd rather just wait for my turn in the pool. Yeah. Can you just take (laughs) me down to the pool? It was like he could trust the pool or Jesus. And I love what it says in verse nine. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And I got, I got to thinking all of a sudden, um, what was he cured of? Was it, did, did trusting Jesus with his healing transformation heal him physically? Like, could he walk? It doesn't say how he walked. And we aren't really even sure the extent of his disability. So we can't assume that it was like, you know, There was a lot of assuming. I think I'd always assumed Jesus had completely healed his body from any pain or trouble walking, and he just walked on. And it doesn't say that. And I think it was like reading the story in this context of, I want my body to change, but God saying, like, inviting me, like, do you want to get well? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's like a mental wellness. Like, I felt like God was inviting me to think about it this way. Would I still want God to break this cycle of body shame, even if my body never changed? And he wasn't as concerned with the... Or if it changes a way we don't really want it to, right? Because it could change. Yes, I could gain another 10 pounds every year. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. And It could just keep coming. And he wasn't concerned with the physical state of my body, but more about me letting go of wrong beliefs and false promises that I held on to for years to simply turn towards him and have the free gift of feeling he promised. And it's abundant. For all, right. if you want it, and mm-hmm. satisfying. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. work. <laughs> You'll get up right. and walk. And with this right. new mindset about my body, I felt a little more e- at ease and ready to take on the next chapters of the book in steps towards really loving myself. And oh, we, yeah, as we said, we want to invite you in the process with us. And the first step right. is letting go of wrong beliefs. And we thought, exactly. like we normally do at the end of every episode, we would do an imaginative prayer to help you identify potentially and let go of wrong beliefs. And mom, would you lead us? Yeah, I'll lead us. And so I, what I attempted to do is do um the imaginative prayer where we actually become one of the characters in the Bible story. So of course we want to be this um, invalid, this person of 
And, you know, how did you say it? I, I was trying to tell person. her that he is not being, invalid is not his name. He is a person who ha- is, Ooh. yes, an invalid person. You have, <laughs> I was trying to teach her the correct way to say um, things. It doesn't define him. It is not him. It is something. He's a person who is lame yeah. or crippled or whatever it You're was. You're doing a great. We're all a learning. Disability. Yes. Okay. All right. So. Now we're going to pray, you guys. <laughs> so we're here. And hopefully you learn like, something. <laughs> I know. So thank you, Erin, for sharing. And just thank you for sharing your heart and the things that God has taught you um, along the way. And yes, we want all of you to just be willing to go there and just be able to, to surrender your wrong beliefs. And believe me, as we're doing this, Aaron and I are joining you and just wanting to just make sure he searches our hearts and shows us where we're getting tripped up in our minds so that we can lay it down and surrender it to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So let's pray together, you guys. I just like you all to visualize yourself as the person who is described as an invalid laying down on one of those five porches that have been constructed by the water. Around you are like many others like you, desperate to be healed, longing for it, all like you, broken in some way, longing to be fixed. You have heard it whispered that in times past, an angel had come and stirred the waters and those who got there first would be healed. How you want to have hope to believe it was true. Yet day after day, nothing changes around you. Nothing is different. There is nary an angel to help you. In fact, you feel extremely alone, even amongst the large group of people. No one sees you. No one cares. All hope is gone. Hopelessness wraps itself around you like the fog that rises up from the early morning water. Then suddenly, a light shines through your darkness, and you see a man standing right over you. You quickly, like, look back. You slowly turn back towards, uh, you look back assuming he's there for someone else, but there's no one behind you. You slowly turn back towards the man silhouetted silhouetted in the light. You, once your eyes adjust, you are startled to see that this man is now kneeling down in front of you, looking directly at you. His gaze is so loving and kind, it takes your breath away. Has anyone ever looked at you like this man is doing now? You know without a doubt who it is. It's Jesus, the Son of Man, who has come to rescue the captive, the one who sees and loves and heals. He sits down beside you and wraps you in his arms. Do you feel it? Do you sense his presence with you? Be still for a moment and know him for who he is. Who is he right now in this moment with you? Your friend? Your comforter? Let him comfort you now. Once you're settled with Jesus, just listen. Just shut your mind off from all the distractions around you. Do you hear Jesus? Do you hear him asking you? He wants to know, friend. Do you want to get well? Do you truly want to be free of this spiritual brokenness, this darkness that causes you to believe you will always be the broken one? 
that there's no hope for you, in order to say yes, you have to leave the rest of the broken people that got you here in the first place. You have to leave them behind. Are you willing to release those on the journey who caused you to be broken in the first place? Are you willing to forgive them? If your heart is saying yes, then let them go. Turn to them now. Visualize those people. Turn to them now and tell them. Say, I forgive you for, and list out the things that they did that caused you to feel less than the person God created you to be. Forgive them for those things that they said and did. Say to them, I release you of the debt you owe me. I want to be free. And so I turn from you and instead turn towards Jesus. With your face locked in with Jesus, you guys, surrender. One word, surrender. Tell him. Tell him the truth. I have no one else but you. No one else who can get me to the living water. It's only through Jesus because Jesus, you guys, is our living water. Tell Jesus, I have tried on my own. I have tried to get help from others. I have tried everything. And I know now that it's you I need. Jesus, I'm just asking with joy-filled eyes. Um, oh, wait. Jesus, with joy-filled eyes, he's going to stand up. Visualize him standing up quickly. And with the excitement of a child, he says to you, get up. Believe me for the impossible. Your heart, is it burning inside? Is it yearning to rise? Yet maybe hesitant, like Aaron said, to believe this will work? Rise anyways. Please, you all, rise anyways. Grab his hand and take your stand. And as you do, just visualize the darkness drifting away. And with eyes focused on the light, take your first step towards freedom. And as you walk, yes, walk away from the only life you've ever known. Get rid of it, you guys. How do you feel? What do you look like as you walk with Jesus? Just spend a moment and thank Jesus for doing the impossible. And Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you that the moment you said it is finished on the cross, our value was made complete. Our value was finished. Thank you that our value and our worth is in, is in your work for what you did and not in any work we could ever do for you. We love you, Jesus. And it's your character and nature that we pray. Amen. Amen. I know. Amen. I really, I don't know what you guys, but I got this sense like from the beginning. And then at the end, when you said, think of the people around you, as I was praying and like picturing in my head, I sensed there were tons of people around me and mm. this like noticing them. I think I had only noticed myself and noticing uh, the people around me who were longing for the same interaction I had with Jesus. And then I had a good interaction with Jesus. And then the, at the end, when you said, stand up, it was like I stood up and all of a sudden I could see that the pool was actually almost like a stadium seating. And when I stood oh. up all down me to this water were people 
that were longing for wow. people and to change and him it, filling me with hope and saying like take mm-hmm. a step forward they're waiting they're waiting to oh, hear. Wow. Like, you know like he had I wondered, did the man leave the mm-hmm. pool or did he stay telling people about what had happened to the people yeah. who were had the same experience as him? Right. So anyways, that was amazing. That's so amazing. And I think it's so cool because Jesus tells us when he transforms our lives, our job is to simply share our story. Right. And so to see all those people in that arena or however you saw it. Was it was like, like a modern day Romy arena, you know, like oh, the, cool. <laughs> those little tents, but it was down to the water yeah. and it was like my job to start walking mm-hmm. down. And, um, but that was amazing. And we'd love to hear from you guys. If this prayer yes. touched you, if you made it this far, so thankful, <laughs> um, let us know. Let us know if you get the yeah. book. It's hello at simplybepresent.com or any of our social medias or comments on our website, simplybepresent.com. We would love to hear how God is at work in your life. If you're going to get this yes. book, if you liked it, if you have questions, we would, we're so happy to join in the community that is here. Big or small, new or old, young or older. We love hearing <laughs> from you guys because yes. that's why we're here to ignite relationships with God. So we look forward to seeing you again next month as we get into the next few chapters of this book. Okay, you guys. See you. Yeah, we see you. Yeah, see you. (laughs) All right, bye. All right, bye.